0: Quick CYA, otherwise known as a disclaimer, the following podcast includes financial information that is for informational purposes only. The information shared comes from the opinion of the host, that would be me, from personal experience, research, and advice from others. I am not a certified financial advisor, nor do I have any financial credentials besides an interest in learning more. I hope you find this information helpful, but do not make any financial decisions solely based on the information provided here. Thank you. Hey guys, and welcome to the What Else podcast. I am super excited that you're here today. It is a solo episode, and today I'm going to be talking about financial independence, um, why I am so interested in it, what it is, and how I plan to get there. There's a book that I read that completely changed my view on how possible it is for me to completely retire in my 30s, and I want to share it with you. So let's get started. Hi, guys, and welcome to the What Else podcast. My name is Sarah, and by listening to this podcast, we have now become best friends. And as best friends do, here we talk about life, ask interesting questions, and open up the floor to learn what else is out there. Before we get started, be a pal and subscribe to the podcast and give it a five star rating because that is what friends do, and by doing so, you give someone else a better chance of finding it. All right, friend, let's get into the episode. I am... Over the moon! Like I, I'm so excited for today's podcast because, uh, obviously, as you can see, it is going to be a solo episode, and I'm going to be talking about something that's super, super important to me, which is financial independence, and also, a um, idea that um, it's not even an idea; it's actually a calculation that completely changed my perspective on financial independence and how accessible it really is. I'm going to go ahead and give you kind of a taste of that before we get started. Um, What I learned is that what I thought I had to save, I thought I had to save close to $3 million um, in order to actually, actually even more than that, in order to become financially independent and retire early. Um, That's slightly, I guess, Retiring early and financial independence are slightly different, but they are connected. Um, And in order for me to retire at, say, 35, um, meaning that I wouldn't work anymore, I thought that I had to save over $3 million. Not very accessible. But in fact, I only have to save around 1.2, and that number changes for everybody. But clearly, that is a very... A, a much lower number, a very different number than over 3 million. And just knowing that and understanding the calculations, then made me realize that a lot of the things that I believed about retirement were very uh, wrong. And so I want to share that today. So first of all, um, what is financial independence? I really hope I don't lose you guys because I know finance, uh, finance, things can get really boring. Um, But I'm going to try to make this as non boring as possible. Because to me, the idea of being able to never work again at the age of 35 is not boring at all. Um, And it's actually something that's very possible. It's something that I'm working towards. It's not something I can say I've already done. Obviously, I'm only 23. But I've been putting things in place and I will continue to put measures in place to make that possible for myself. So financial independence, I'm going to go ahead and read, you know, know, the good old Wikipedia definition, So, because I always like to provide you with, um, you know, my own definition, but also the definition, quote unquote, from, you know the experts of the internet, even though it's just Wikipedia. But uh, they say that financial independence is the status of having enough income to pay for one's living expenses for the rest of one's life without having to be employed or dependent on others. Income earned without having to work a job is commonly referred to as passive income. So think about um, why you have a job, you know, why a paycheck matters. It's because you have bills and you have things that you have to afford. You have to afford your rent, your house pay, your car, your food, whatever. There, And you should really know this number. This is something that I encourage everyone to know. You should know exactly how much your life costs per year. Um, That is not necessarily how much you spend because a lot of times we tend to inflate um, how much we actually spend uh, based on like what we see in our bank account. We assume that if it's there, we can spend it. Um, but what does your life actually cost to live comfortably? I'm not talking about the bare minimum. I'm not a penny pincher, I'm not a envelope budgeter, I'm not any of those things. but I know to live a comfortable life that makes me genuinely happy, where I do not feel any ounce of sacrifice, my life costs XXX X, X amount, and that will change, you know, based on, it, it will change in the next couple of years as I get a house, as I get married, that number will change, but I encourage you to know roughly at any time what that number is. Financial independence is when you don't actually have to have a job or be relying on a W-2 job or a paycheck of some sort in order to make that happen. Passive income um, is income that is made without you really having to lift a finger, that's not something that's like magic it's not something that's like a hoax Um, passive income is made based on front-loaded work Um, you do a lot of work in the beginning for usually little to zero pay in order to set up a system that allows you to make that passive income. So examples are um, like investment accounts. If you invest enough in an investment account, then the interest ends up paying um, anything you need. Of course, that requires quite a lot of money in order for, you know, 7% 7% or 3% or whatever of, you know, that interest to be able to cover anything you need. But that's an example. Or rental properties. That's not completely passive. Um, it, it You can make it be passive, especially if you have property managers, but rental properties as a whole are thought of as passive income because somebody's living there, they're paying rent, and that gets deposited into your account, and you're not having to do, quote, unquote, anything. Um, even though there is a lot more work that uh, is involved, meaning the property management repairs, all those kind of things. But again, that takes a lot of work up front, um, you know, buying those properties, getting tenants in, setting up the systems, so that you have somebody else managing all the little things and all you have to do is own it. Um, Same with like doing rental properties is like owning a business. If you own a business and you, um, you know, build that business and then you have somebody else manage it, you're not actually doing anything. You just own it and you get, of course, the owner's compensation. That's again, passive. Um, There are so many different ways to make passive income, and something that I really strive for, and one of my goals is to create multiple streams of income, hopefully many of them passive, um, so that, you know, it not only increases just how much I make a year, but it allows me to have systems that I don't just have to rely on an investment account in order to live my life. Um which we'll get into in a second. So that's what financial independence is. And um, it is something that I'm extremely interested about and extremely passionate about. But um, I talk a lot about saving. I talk a lot about budgeting. And I talk a lot about the beginning steps before you start setting yourself up for financial independence. Because there's a lot. um, I don't want you guys to just jump towards this idea and and feel the pressure of like having to do this, even if you want to, there are some things that I always suggest you put in place before you go investing, which is a, what we're going to be talking about today. Um, if you don't have an emergency fund, I don't, in my, this is all my opinion, none of it. Please don't, you know, take everything with a large bag of salt that I say, this is all my opinion based on things that I've read and based on um, you know, counsel that I have been given. Um, but for me, I don't believe anybody, um, you know, you don't need to be investing if you don't have an emergency fund. I think one can go before the other, one should go before the other, and an emergency fund needs to happen before you go investing. I also believe you don't have to have your debt, um, completely paid off, but you should have a debt payment plan and be working aggressively at that before you start investing. If I, um, If I said don't start investing until your debt is completely paid, then that would not be very helpful because um, investing, a big part of investing is time. And if you're waiting for all debt to be paid, you could be waiting a very, very long time and then miss the opportunity for compounding interest, which is the basis of what we're going to be talking about today. Um, so there's a book called Financial Freedom. There's two books, in fact, that if you're interested in any of this further from what I'm saying, um, there's two books that you need to read. First one, in I would say read them in this order, it'd be Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, if you want to learn anything about uh, finances, I think, I think Rich Dad, Poor Dad is the basis book of finance that you need to read because it... Um, It's a mindset-driven book um, and really teaches you how to think about money before and, of course, teaches you some of the basics on how to manage it as well. Um, And then the second book that has completely changed everything for me is Financial Freedom. I actually read this very recently, and I plan to read it probably at least about once a year. But Financial Freedom is great because it gives real stories and breaks things down in such a understandable way and it goes through everything it goes through budgeting saving investing the different accounts what kind of investments there are it goes through retirement properties it goes through or not retirement properties rental properties and then it also goes through uh retirement how to withdraw for retirement how to plan for that all that kind of stuff and it makes it very very interesting um and so i highly recommend them um Financial freedom is the one that I'm most excited for you to read, but I do believe that there's a mindset and an understanding of how many works that needs to be um, established before you read financial freedom. So so here's the thing. Um, there is a particular chapter in financial freedom called What is Your Number? And your number... Is a number that you calculate based on a, uh, there's actually a calculation on his website. I think it's like financialfreedom.com or something like that. Um, But it's a calculation that you can do to know what your goal number is uh, that you need to reach before you can basically claim financial independence or what are you working towards. That number is based off of um, how much uh, annually you plan to live off of um, and your withdrawal rate, um, as well as how close you are to retirement. Uh, your age currently, of course, and uh, I think that's pretty much the main variables. But here's where things got interesting. As I'm reading this, um, you know, I I'm very versed in financial independence, and I'm I'm aware of like how much work that takes, um, and I think part of it always is just knowing that that's possible. But I always thought that it was an astronomical amount, and I'm not saying, and I I told you that 1.2 million was was around like a a guessing number um, of what I would need in like let's say 10 years. And yes, that's a lot of money. And if you break that down to how much money you have to save a year, it's still a lot. I'm not saying it's not a lot, but it made it much more accessible than three million. So let me let me get into it. So um, the way that financial planning works, and a lot of financial advisors, I'm not, and I'm not saying financial advisors are wrong. I'm just making a point here. So how a lot of retirement planning works is that in order to um, like retire at 65, they say, and if say you you're expecting annual expenses are $50,000. Um, and I want to let you know, like I'm getting all this information is and this straight from the book. I literally have highlights in front of me with this book. So again, so say retiring, retiring at 65 and your annual expenses are $50,000. Your um, expected uh, amount that you need saved is about 3.5 million. That's a lot of money. And that's something that literally, I just feel like suffocating. And with 401ks um, and like investment accounts, there are maximums that you could put in per year. And uh, for him, um, for uh, the maximum amount that he could put in a 401k for a year, at that point, it was 19,000 at the writing of the book. Um, even if that grew the 7% that would be expected per year, you would only have um, a little under 2 million after 30 years. And so you're like, well, how is that possible? Um, and in theory, it's, it's kind of not, obviously. But This doesn't take into account time. So compounding interest is all based on time. If you put a like $100 in an investment account with a 7% annual return, all that means is that it literally grows 7% each year, it will grow. And the longer it stays in there, the more money that it will The more money that will be in there, um, the more interest that it will earn. So the assumption is that if you're retiring at 65, you're going to live another 20 to 25 years. And that 3.5 million number comes from the assumption that when you retire, you will not only not contribute anything to that account, but you'll also be taking all of that at once and it will not stay in the account and it will not keep growing. Most of us, I don't believe, would take out everything from our our retirement account at once, no matter what was in it. The typical, um, I guess, method would be to take out uh, a little bit at, at a time for exactly what you need Because the more money that you keep in there The more it will keep growing And this is the principle that just blew my mind All right, time to take a quick break to talk about one of our non-sponsors, Princess Polly. Um, Again, I am not sponsored as of right now, but I do love to share uh, my favorite brands and products that I am loving as of late. And I just got a huge order from Princess Polly, and I'm obsessed, obsessed with the things that I got. The quality of the clothing is, like, way better than I thought and because the prices like I think the prices are really really good very comparable um to the quality that they're giving and I think the quality is even better than really what I'm paying which is awesome I like that they have staple pieces but then they also have um some I would say like trend-driven pieces that I know will last me a long time um, and I can use season after season even when the trends uh, go down. They're very versatile. I got a pair of strappy black heels with like the square toe that everybody's wearing that are so cute. I got this um, cute pair of high-waisted like White cream pants that are like a straight leg that are going to be perfect for transitioning into fall. Really cute with the crop tops I got. Um, just definitely go check them out. I got 20% off using Vivian Audi's. Um, code, and I love Evian, so definitely check her, ch- use her code um, if you haven't seen her on Instagram, it's just her name, I think. I'll leave everything um, including the link to Princess Polly and the code in the show notes, but for sure go shop on their website because I am, find- they are my new favorite place to shop. Alright, back to the episode. So, let's say um, you have... 1 million invested and your investment grows 7% over the course of a year. So that is $70,000 um, adjusted for dividends and inflation, whatever, um, according to this. So now you have uh, 1 million and dollars invested and you are no longer earning income. So you're going to take out a percentage of that in order to live off of, and you only need to live off of $40,000, which is 4%. So your investment grew 7%. And you're only living off of 4%. So you take out $40,000, you're living, you're loving, you're laughing. And the remaining uh, $1,030,000 is still in that account. Another year goes by and it grows another 7%. So now instead of gaining $70,000 you gained $72,100. And say you uh, still we you still do it by percentage. So you don't just take out $40,000 but you take out 4% of that now, you know, $130,000 plus the $72,100. Does that make sense? because it grew 7%, but it grew 7% off that 1.3 million. And so 4% of that would be a little bit over that original $40. So your money will continue to compound at 3% per year because there's it's growing by 7%, but you're taking away 4% in order to live. And this is assuming that you are, I believe you stop investing in it or you stop contributing to it at 30, 30 years old. That's seven years away from where I am right now. You save up to a million dollars at 30 years old, and you continue on this path, and you live on four percent of your investment, um, which of course will grow you know, forty thousand dollars the first year, and then that next year will be four percent of whatever that growth is. If you keep on this path at the age of 65, you will have three million two hundred sixty two thousand thirty seven dollars. Now, this is The, in a scenario where you saved a million dollars by the age of 30 and you stopped contributing to that account altogether, you stopped making any income. Your only income was that 4% that you took out each year to cover your living expenses. Now, also, you know, we have to take into account inflation. We have to take into account um what kind of account that you're pulling out of if you are doing a tax-advantaged account, um, which in this scenario, I believe it's talking about a 401k, um, which is a you take out um, pre-tax money. Um, but if you have a tax-advantaged account, and there is usually penalties that are, not usually, there are penalties that are involved in taking money out early before 65, but there are ways to get around that. There are conversions of accounts, all things that you can work out with your financial advisor. So there are other things that you need to um, you know factor in, like inflation, when you're calculating your number. But if you're already factoring inflation when you're calculating your number, it's no longer something that you have to worry about. And uh, typically, like the average inflation rate for 2019 was 1.8%. Um, 2017 was 2.14 uh, 2018 was 2.44 in um, 2016 was 1.26 it's so this range from 1.26 to 2.44 in the last four years typically inflation is in around that range um, so relatively small amount especially considering you have a, um, annual interest, uh, or growth rate of 7%, you're only taking out 4% in order to actually live. Um, and the major, um, factor in making this possible is never touching your principal amount. So if you'll think, think back, we put in a million dollars, saved a million dollars, and then it grew at seven percent, which then gave us seventy thousand dollars after that first year. We lived off of forty thousand dollars, so even in our second year, we had 1.3 million dollars. We still have not touched that original one million dollars, and that is the key ingredient that is the thing that will let this be or make this effective. Make it possible for it to keep growing at a rate that is faster than your living expenses because the original $1 million you will not touch. If you are no longer depositing anything at 30 years old um, and, you, you know, we're going to 80, you have 50 years of that $1 million not being touched and growing. I'm not going to do that math right now, but that's a lot. And that's assuming that you'd go all the way back to that $1 million each year and you take out all that you gain in interest. And you're not going to. You're not going to need $70,000 that first year to live a healthy, comfortable life. I promise, even if you make over $70,000, here's the thing, even you, if you make at your job over $70,000, you don't actually need a full $70,000 to live. If you go and you calculate your number on what a, a comfortable life means what that number is for you, it will be less than what you make. Why do I know this? Because Jobs having a job costs money. It involves work clothes. It involves a lot more commute. Um, and not all that money that you're making from your job is going into your living expenses. Some of it is going into those other purchases that are involved because you have a job, and some of it's going into retirement savings. But if you have finished your retirement savings, you're not stashing away all that money. Where is that money gonna go? You don't need the full seventy thousand dollars. If you do a budget, um, now we're getting into budgeting. If you do a budget, and people don't like the word budget, they think that it sounds very restrictive. And I get it. Um, you know, I have a budget, I love my budget. But just for the sake of, of that, you know, connotation of that word, let's say a, a cash flow um, tracking, cash flow tracker, cash flow system, I don't know, you know, you, if you are actually looking at your cash flow, what is coming in, what is going out every month, a lot of times you will find that you have more money that you did not know. A lot of times you will find that after your bills are paid and after your savings deposits are put away, you have XX amount of money to spend for yourself and you don't actually need to spend all of that money. Say, so I'm going to throw out some numbers for you. Say your um, monthly expenses are $1,000, living, groceries, bills, the whole thing and say that you want to save $1,000 every month into your savings accounts. Cool. Peace. Done. Let's say you make $4,000 a month, uh, which is, what's 4 times 12? $48,000. Um, $48, Not, you know, that's a, that's a healthy salary, Let's but let's just say you make $4,000 a month, and if you make less, you can still do these numbers. It will still come out with the, pretty much the same outcome. Not the same numbers, but the same concept. So your living expenses cost $1,000, you save $1,000, you still have $2,000 left over for that month to spend on yourself, completely on yourself. Who in their right mind is spending $2,000, at least, at least in like, in, yeah, I guess there's plenty of people who can, but like in my, you know, at my age, the people that I'm hanging out with, the people around me aren't blowing $2,000 on stuff for themselves if they actually look at like what purchases were for themselves. I'm talking the restaurants, the visits, the buying the new pair of jeans. I'm talking about the movie that you went to with your friends. Like all those types of purchases, if you add those up to what that actually is, I bet it's less than $2,000. And this is just a fake scenario. Like, I get that some people have bills and stuff that's more than $1,000. I get that some people want to save more than $1,000 or less. You know, all of these numbers change. But my point is that what you actually live on, what your comfortable life is, is less than what you make per year most of the time. So... Back to that $1 million, if you are, so in this scenario, you, t- you took out $40,000 and you're living off of that $40,000 and you still have that 1.3 million, that 1.3 million is going to grow. And then you're still going to take only 4% of that. You know, once that grows seven more, it will just keep, oh, here's the big word, compounding and it will keep growing. I went over a lot of numbers. I went over a lot of different things. And this isn't a Bible calculation. This isn't a Bible concept. This isn't something I want you to take verbatim. Um, I mentioned like there are plenty of things that factor into this. But what I'm saying is that one, there is a number, you have a number And your number is the number that you need to save in order to become financially independent. The number is based on when you want to become financially independent. And that number is based on how much you want to actually live off per year. There is a number and you can calculate it. Two, that number is probably a lot less than you think. And if you understand the power of compounding interest, you understand the power that you have in making your money, make money. That is passive income. Three, all of this is with assumptions that you never, ever, ever contribute to that account again, when in theory, you can set up other passive income streams, a rental property, um, a business, an online sticker selling store where they just download the stickers and you do nothing, something that doesn't require you to lift a finger, and you could still be contributing. But this is assuming that you're not, and it's still possible. This is why I'm so interested. This is why I read so much. This is why I want to understand taxes. This is why I want to understand investment accounts. This is why I want to understand budgeting. This is why, because there is so much, there is so much more out there There is a lot more possibilities than you know because people just don't teach it because it sounds very complicated and people make it complicated when it's really not. Um... If you want to know more, like I went over about three pages of this financial freedom book. Um, I didn't even touch, uh, you know, the difference between the tax accounts and how to withdraw from what account when and all of that kind of stuff. If you want to learn more, I highly encourage you to read the book. Um, if you have questions, you are absolutely welcome to uh, message me and I'll be happy to answer them to the best of my ability. Understand that I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not a CPA. I am not accredited uh, in any way. Uh, for um, financial advising or education. But what I am is somebody who's extremely interested in this, has read a lot, and continues to learn every day. Um, I hope that this gave you hope. I hope that this got you a little bit excited about financial intelligence, we'll say. And as always, have a fantastic day. Have a fantastic week. Thank you for being um, the best listener of my podcast ever. I love you all very, very much. And I will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the What Else Podcast, and if you liked this episode, then I've got a small to-do list for you. Uh, First of all, go ahead and screenshot this episode right now and post it on your Instagram stories, and tag me at Sarah E. Boss, and I can go ahead and repost your post, and that helps others find the podcast as well. And give me a review on Apple Podcasts. That is a huge help with letting others find the podcast and also become best friends, so don't be selfish. And finally, if you want to subscribe to my blog to get even more content, you can at sarahebossblog.com. All right, guys, I will see you in the next episode.